0: Hi everyone, I'm Henna, and I'm Julia, and you're listening to Failing Point podcast.
1: Failing Point is a podcast about entrepreneurship, about seeing challenges as opportunities and failures as steps to success.
0: With a lineup of inspiring entrepreneurs sharing their hardships of their journeys and the lessons they've learned, we are ready to challenge the status quo of Finnish business culture.
1: We all have a story to tell. Now it's time for Brave Talk.
0: Last week we began to listen to Tapani Koivunen's unbelievable survival story involving betrayal, imprisonment and unimaginable injustice. Up until this point, Tapani has been fighting day in and day out to prove his innocence, but still got unjustly sentenced to prison. Now let's hear what happened after his electronic monitoring band was cut off from his leg by the law enforcement officer.
2: A few days before my uh, planned departure, the uh, officer came to my home and he he cut that bandage. By the way, as we said, it was very rigorous uh, guarding within the old time I was in home arrest. But when the bandage was cut, there was nobody was interested in what, I, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, and prior to that, actually, my uh, defender, uh, attorney, he came to my house. He said, "Run away, run away now, because you can't come back to this country anymore." Can you imagine that? Yeah. That was a. That was a.
0: Unbelievable
2: yeah I'm totally unbelievable that mm-hmm. he tell me that. well, they wanted to have that three hundred thousand that was my my warrant money. He wanted to keep that for years yeah, ago. yeah. yeah. okay. And I said, no i'm not a, I'm not a criminal. I can't do that. So that was the end of it and i never never met Mr. Richard Tamor anymore Yeah and we couldn't go there by car. So I learned that I can fly there myself. So I I booked with my last uh, mileage points first class flight with American Airlines <laughs> from uh, uh, Sacramento to to um uh, Mississippi. And uh yeah, I had some first class service nobody would think that I was where I was going. I went there stayed overnight in uh New Orleans. In, in the French Quarter area. Over there I saw there was a riverboat called Natchez. I got an idea that I'll do the whole trip in the first class. So I talked to the skipper of the riverboat and says, Can you take me to the Natch to Natchez? Says, uh, unfortunately they don't do that long trips anymore. <laughs> so next morning I had to take a Greyhound bus and I went there. I had a one way ticket. I was the only white person getting into the Greyhound uh, driver would check my ticket. It says Natchez. So, yeah, that's it. One way to Natchez. He would he would know where I was going. White man in the in a greyhound. So I went there. <clears throat> went to Natchez. Uh, then um, at the bus station over there, I would wait for for a taxi. And, uh, I finally, actually one of the, another passengers that was waiting says, I know a taxi here. I call you a taxi. So taxi comes in and, and I gave a, gave address for, for the prison in Natchez. And so the taxi driver says, Oh, are you some sort of investigator or what?
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: No, ma'am, I'm going to serve my prison time over there. Yeah. <laughs> There was another lady in the car that she had actually picked in and said, wow, what kind of criminal we have in there in backseat. <laughs> and, oh uh, they, they would drive me there and then I reported myself into the prison system. The same story goes on there. I, there was no one, no prisoners anywhere to be seen. I found a gate where I go in. I sit in my civil clothing and, uh, so the lady, At the counter over there, she's asking of my business. And I told her that I'm coming to do my sentencing here. Mm. Sentencing time. And she says, wow. So she calls somebody else. And, uh, and then they start humiliating me. says, there's no one who's coming here voluntarily to report to do the sentencing, sentencing time. (laughs) So so that's how it began. It's a sad, sad story. But, um, Yeah, I survived all the twists and turns in in that uh, journey. Yeah, I have to tell my story. Whoever wants to hear it or read it for a warning and for education. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that uh, if people land in a similar situation that I did, they probably could help themselves a little bit more.
0: Yeah. What do you think that you learned the most about this whole thing? Was it so that it's all about the business partners? You have to be very careful who you associate with or is it something else? And you must have learned so much about yourself as well. Mm.
2: So, yeah, the biggest mistake was uh, was uh, in choosing my business partners. Now, we did actually very throughout due diligence before we went to agreement with these guys. At that time... We still had those collective farms and I had, in a way, I had 50, 50 business partners from the farm side that were accepting or rejecting the plan. So we had a few meetings and I, I explained to them and I said, well, there's no, nothing, no criminal record found for any one of these mm-hmm. uh, partners. And by the way, we have a OPIC as a financing partner, U.S. government agency yeah and I said pr- pretty much with these words I said, I'm sure they would guarantee that we straight stay in a straight line and they accepted my my word and i mm-hmm. I believed that uh, uh, Opic would have been more diligent keeping the project straight, mm-hmm. but that didn't happen so so yeah, that was a that was the biggest mistake of choosing these business partners. The business plan itself was good, the time mm-hmm. was still okay. It would have been better probably five, six years earlier, but, uh, Estonia was an emerging market and, and, uh, now we see that Estonia has actually gone through the transition really well and they prosper in many ways. Yeah. So that was one of the things I, I learned a lot of the things that I never could have thought I, I learned on, uh, U.S. legal system on, on the hypocrisy that uh, the system is pretending to do give justice for people first I thought I, I could never talk to any other inmate any other prisoner in the system but it turns out to be that there's a lot of people just like me just like yeah. myself. there was only one person that I, I was within my time I found that he was able to fight himself out of the system his name was Tim Parks
0: mm-hmm.
2: Canadian guy working in uh, Chicago for automobile industry and uh Luckily for him, he had a good insurance. So that's another thing, especially if you deal in the US, you better have a good insurance for Mm. attorney services. His insurance company spent about 2.5 million US dollars for the legal work. And he had actually had a seven year sentencing for I say that it's kind of similar thing that I was involved with and uh he was able to fight him himself out of the system. He was the only one.
1: How was it like in prison? Um you must have have like hundreds of stories you could tell us.
2: Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, we, we probably don't have time for all of them but um, <laughs> yeah. through um several riots one serious one that um One guard lost his life. Ten inmates got injured. Some other guards got uh, injured. It was a riot where special forces came to take control of the the prison in in Natchez. Mm. And um, Mississippi is a state where there's a a, uh, death penalty is, is still in existence. I don't know what happened. To these individuals, but ten of the guys were charged on murder. Okay. So that was the most serious. But prisons are not; they are not supposed to be nice places. But um, especially in Natchez we we called it Guantanamo because yeah. it was it was designed and allocated only for alien inmates.
0: So, so minorities. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Mexicans were the biggest. Uh, uh, group of inmates, about out of 2,300 inmates, they were probably 80%. They'd be deported to Mexico through border in Texas, Texas. And, uh, they would tell that when they are deported through that border station, there's usually a bus at the other side of the border where they, there's no, there's no town. There's, there's only a gate. Mm-hmm. And there 's a bus you climb into the bus, and usually there's a Mexican mafia guy who comes to talk to you and says you have yeah, it 's a good thing you have a, you have two choices yeah. you can take you can take a silver bullet or you take a lead bullet okay. meaning you, you either cooperate with the mafia or they shoot you yeah but usually those guys that go through they 've done some prison time in the u s they are already well-trained, educated system people to work for uh, for mafia. Mm-hmm. They know the risks. They know how how the system works. So it's a it's a training ground for for criminals.
0: Yeah, I have to so ask one thing: yeah. Were you ever really afraid in there when you were in prison?
2: I was concerned quite a few times. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. times where I didn't feel comfortable being afraid. Um, yeah, uh, the first time I was transferred from Chicago to, through Oklahoma to California, I think I described in the book, it's like a, animals taken take to the slaughterhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't know where they're going. That uncertainty is the biggest, biggest uh, thing that bothers you. Then when I was transferred to, to Oakland, you know, most anyone who's going through these things they think in their own little mind is it better that i end up end up my life and uh, i did my own discussion with with myself mm. and and i came to conclusion that I had, I had to survive and i have to tell my story
0: yeah You did a lot of good things in there. You taught other inmates to read, to write letters to their loved ones, and even to fly.
1: Yeah, and we were very impressed and amazed how you managed to do all those Mm. things and be innovative, and you, like, created new things there.
2: I can share you these actual books that uh, my daughter Laura sent within – Letter. It's a session citation manual. Wow. She sent these in little pieces and it came true. And uh, I had a lot of books over there. They inspired me and and a lot of my friends, and and, uh, it made the life a little bit easier.
0: You focused on self development, right? So you read a lot of books and studied and
2: yeah, I, I trained uh, physically. I lost a lot of weight, which is good. One, I'm, I'm pretty much gained it back now, but it's time to get rid of that weight again. Um, yeah, uh, if you can mentally be in peace. Yeah. It's actually a peace, peaceful time for your self development. Yeah. The study, talk to people. All we had was time. Yeah. So. So some people probably learn to, if they go there a second or third time, they probably learn to enjoy it
0: mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And
2: and for some people that uh, have been in the system for too long, they are actually afraid of being in a civil world. And they commit some little crimes that they get back to the system. Okay. Yeah, That's, that's okay. a very un, unhappy thing.
0: And- Yeah, Yeah, and one thing which was really amazing was the family and the friends' support that you got. Yeah, right. I I
1: think we were both crying our eyes out when (laughs) Mm -hmm. we, like, it was very touching to see, because it also, like, showed us how you have been taking care of your friends and family. That's
2: Mm -hmm. very true, that's very true. Uh, Without my friends, I probably wouldn't be here. Yeah it's it's very true. I was in regular correspondence with about 50 people at that time. I'm very grateful they did actually send these books different books that I Excellent. I I did uh, study and and we discussed with uh, some African guys about these these topics yeah including the the bond money uh my family support Hundreds of letters to attorneys. Yeah. And, uh, after the book came out, there was actually 200 people in the Hel- Helsinki Katayanoka former prison for the book publishing. Yeah. So friends, they really, they tried to help me as much as they could. Unfortunately, we could not beat the U.S. legal system. Even Finnish government officers, they were involved in my treaty transfer. Which finally happened, and, mm. and I'm glad I got through of it. But even today, the fight is not over yet. It's a question of my my um, retirement money from the U.S. It's it's still uncertain. It's it's about if I can go and see my kids, my friends yeah. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Still uncertainty.
1: Yeah. At what point did you get back to Finland?
2: It was uh, November 2012 when I had only less than a month of my service time in in Natchez. Now, you'd think that that was not much. But actually, if I had gotten through the actual legal system, they would have transferred me to the local county jail. And first of all, this is how it goes. Natchez, they say, okay, you've done your time. We'll let you go. But by the way, because you are a foreign alien citizen... You will need to go to deportation process. So we oh. transfer you to another county jail somewhere. And don't worry, they take care of you. So then when you land over there, they, they have no hurry to, uh, process your, your transfer. And then after a certain time, maybe a couple of weeks or months, says, oh, Mr. Mr. Kuevunen, by the way, do you have a passport? Mm. Oh, you don't have a passport. That's too bad. Because you need to have a passport for travel. So don't worry. We'll take care of that. They, they start calling to Embassy of Finland and says they, they start processing and all that jargon and jargon and jargon. It may take anything from three to five months in, in those nasty county jails. Now, this is business. All these Mm. places. By the way, most of the places I was, I was in there, they were private companies that run those prisoners, prisons. And guess mm-hmm. who owns the yeah. prisons? Well, any U.S. citizen can buy stocks. Perhaps if you go to oh, yeah. New York Stock Exchange, you can buy shares of uh, these companies. But guess what? Lawyers and, and judges, attorneys, they hold big share of those companies. Oh, yeah, they are very profitable companies and their system guarantees that they have a full occupation in those places. In in um, Oakland, my night would cost for federal government about $260. It's a good hotel rate. In just mm-hmm. we figured out with a uh, few people through, we actually got their, their annual reports for us to investigate. (laughs) So we figured out that they get less than $100 per night. Still Mm -hmm. good business. Still good business. Mm -hmm. Full booked, actually 110% booked. Not even a hotel. Any hotel has such a good rate.
0: Oh, my God. What do you think that uh, this whole experience, has it changed you as a person?
2: Well, when I first came to Finland, I actually gave, uh, we had a meeting in Tampere and uh, I told basically what I had gone through and I. it was very nice. I could say thank you for all these people that had actually helped me. And then I said, well, for the rest of my life, I had to carry a stamp on my forehead saying that I'm an inmate. So some of the people said, hey, we don't see it. Mm-hmm. You are just the same guy as as you used to be, and um, now i can I can start believing that that 's actually true. Finland has actually received me well for most uh, most part and uh, and uh, i don 't have to remind myself anymore uh, it It took about half a year. I was very concerned on anything that uh, happened around me mm mm-hmm. But uh, so now I say, uh, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger.
0: Yeah.
2: And I just hope that it doesn't make me bitter.
0: Yeah. And you have said uh, in your book, I think it's like very lovely to put like that you are the one who is going to decide if the past is a burden or if it's something good for you. Please use it well. And I think that book, you are trying to help other people and so that prevent something like that to happen to mm-hmm. anybody else.
2: So, yeah. yes. When I went to work life here in Finland, a good friend of mine, J.P. Annala, who was actually interviewing me prior to arrest 2009, he was, he was helping me to find a job. And initially he said, um, while we're looking for, for you, your job, why don't you work for us? Because we have some job over here as well. So I went to the company in Tampere. I began my, my, my work on Monday and by Wednesday, they were going all kinds of rumors within the company for me. Now, before I, I agreed to work for Sisti OU, I said, we better tell to the people of my background. And, and they said, well, It's not their business. Mm -hmm. And so I accepted it, but by in three days, there were enough rumors so that uh, we decided to have a conference meeting Friday where I told my story basically. And boy, I got uh, 30 wonderful supporters for the rest of my life from those people. They, they were very emotional, of course. They, and uh, nobody, I don't think after that presentation, no one I questioned my integrity. But when I came to Finland, I re- realized what I'm going to face. So the only way for me to come back to this country is actually be proactive, tell my story yes. before before uh, it's too late. And uh, that little incidence with safety is a good indication of how how work society works. People know. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they find out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, one of the work, one, one of the assignments with, uh, Ratikeskus, I requested when the board was interviewing me, I said, you need to read my summary of my case. And if you think that I'm a right person after that, then I'd be very happy to work for you. Yeah. And they decided to hire me. So yeah, you know, You've had to be proactive. Uh, yes. Whatever, if you have a, a past, which is not that flattering, it's mm-hmm. still better to be proactive and tell it yourself rather than things will be found afterwards.
1: Yes, yeah, that's absolutely. true.
2: So one more thing for anyone mm-hmm. who is entertaining to do business in, especially in the US. Uh, mo- in most any cases, U.S. partner requires, dictates, all the agreements will be made under one of the U.S. state laws, like Maryland, New York. Those are very, very common ones. When you sign such a paper, you are at total mercy of the U.S. company. I've seen yes. this other companies, big companies. Well, Nokia had actually enough funds to, to battle against Motorola. They actually were able to survive, but it cost a lot of money. Kultor did not. Xylitol, Xylitol story, you know, Xylitol gum, uh, Xylitol. Mm. Okay. Yes. Kultor granted the license for U.S. company and they did mm-hmm. some medical investigation. Uh, Conagra, potential competitor in the U.S. market, they funded another study in the U.S. pumping Xylitol into mice and rats. Totally obnoxious amounts, and the research says, okay, it may cause cancer. well, such amount of anything would yeah. cause cancer, cancer yeah. salt salt whatever yeah. sugar, anything would cause cancer but the the ship had gone Philicidal never got a grass that in the u s because oh, of wow. that anyway, some situations, attorneys are very important but In a lot of cases, you have to do your own homework. Don't leave it only for attorneys. You need to understand the business. You need to understand the legal work yourself. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, but be prepared for very expensive legal costs over there.
0: Well, we are interested to know what are your future plans and
2: goals. Hmm. Well, that's a tough one.
0: Yeah. Are you planning to write another book or... Books, perhaps.
2: There, there are, there are probably some, some uh, that I should. Yeah. But uh, you know, being a writing books doesn't really pay off that well here in Finland. This is the first one that came out from the manuscript. It's, it's probably thirty percent more. That was actually this was published. Laura actually did that. This at uh, Sacramento University. Uh, Sacramento mm-hmm. Library, and and I think there's about twenty books for the family, and then this came out with about uh, five hundred pages, still a big one, mm-hmm. but a lot of material that is in there really deserves to be opened up. Yeah, one of the areas I, because of my military area background, aviation background, one of the areas. That I've, I've been crossing very closely is September 11th, 2001 mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of things that, uh, because my journalist background as well, I know that the story is not as as it was told. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more sinister. Uh, that's one topic could be. We'll see. I've I've gone to Africa for a few times to. Trying to assist them in uh, renewable energy, which is is a potentially a very good one and highly needed skill over there. Unfortunately, to do business over there in Africa, you had to bring your own money, and you had to do all the work. It, it's mm-hmm. it's it's not. I don't, I don't have that money. Mm-hmm. And and uh, but there's a lot of opportunities. I'm I'm writing. Articles to different papers. I'm fixing my house nowadays. Uh,
1: Mm -hmm. We'll see. Yeah. Thank you so much for being our guest. We are honored to have you.
2: Okay. Well, thank you very much. And And, and, uh, it was kind of a long one, but I don't know how we can. It
0: it was a good one.
2: (laughs) Okay. Okay. And And we
0: wish you all the best in the future, and we look forward to hear from you. What you are doing in the future.
2: Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. you. Good luck to you as well. And I think your work is, it's both interesting and it's uh, hopefully people find your podcasts. Thank you.
0: Thank you you so much, Tapan. You've just listened to the final Failing Point episode of the season. Tapani's story is a good reminder to us all that you can survive any struggle if you have grit and remember to see the big picture, the future. Struggles are temporary, and after challenges you become stronger and wiser. Failing points are necessary moments in our lives that shape us into the entrepreneurs and people we are today. Almost every path to success is paved with failures. We want to thank our guests and listeners from the bottom of our hearts. When we began this journey to create a podcast that revolves around failures, even painful life events, we could not have imagined the level of support we received and the interest from twenty great guests to share the oftentimes not so glamorous realities they have faced. So thank you Tommy Kokko, Evan Lutra, Mira Maria Kontkanen, Suvi Vietgren, David Plino, Rachel Kusip, Hanna Maula, Saku Loukonen, Drew Goodall, Basili Ukkonen, Christopher Weiss, Lisa Jokipera, Robert Bailey, Mikko Jarra, Ansi Knutila, Saya Mahon, Daniel Uul, Alexander Spellman, Dmitr Petrobolski and Tapani Koivunen. We wish you all success and happiness in your life as well as the strength to push on even in the face of seemingly impossible challenges. We have been privileged to share your inspiring stories to our listeners. Entrepreneurship is not always easy but together supporting one another and sharing our experiences we can make the journey much more inspiring and hopeful. A special thanks to our listeners. We hope that our episode have brought you inspiration and the courage and willingness to go forward no matter what the situation might have been in your lives. We also hope this has inspired some to take that first step and become entrepreneurs themselves, as all in all we think it's a life choice that comes with far greater rewards than any downsides it might have. We would love to take this opportunity to also thank Juha Kakkori, the program director at Business FM, for his great support for our show and awesome advice throughout the episodes. And finally, A massive thank you to Business FM and their excellent staff. We are honored to be hosted with you guys and let's see what the future brings. Thank you.
1: You can also read more about our guests and listen to earlier podcasts at failingpoint.com. And remember, whatever you're trying to achieve out there, keep on grinding and never give up on your dreams.